everybody. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis. Welcome to Catch You Outdoors, presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network at waypointtv.com. Besides doing podcasts, I'm also a published author, Bridge to Paradise, a book of short stories about travel, fishing, and life in the slow lane, is available on Amazon Kindle. And so is What I Know About Fishing Southwest Florida, an in-depth book about fishing the waters from Pine Island Sound south to the 10,000 Islands. Book three's on the way. Take a kid fish and adult's guide for introducing youngsters to the world of angling. The initial edits are complete. The rewrite is done. And the book is now in the hands of the publishers. It should be coming soon. It's episode 53. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh at that. <laughs> Trying to reason with hurricane season. Thanks to Jimmy Buffett for the title and to my friend Steve for the idea and suggestion uh, for this episode of Catch Outdoors. But first, episode 53 is the beginning of season two for Catch Outdoors, and I'm somewhat surprised. I did do a live radio show each Saturday for almost 11 years. That's also hard to believe, but glad that I had the fan base to carry on with it all those years. And I'm glad to say the podcast is doing well, too, so happy about that. This podcast actually started because of my leaving the radio show. So my wife, Janelle, had a fantastic opportunity for a job in Fort Lauderdale. So that meant we had to move. And over the next year or so, I found uh, that I really missed talking on the mic. My former producer, Rick, recommended starting a podcast. I was like, really? What's that? (laughs) I'm just a little behind the eight ball. Thanks to, I guess, thanks to my time on the radio. I mean, I'd heard of podcasts, but I had no clue what it was about. Anyhow, here we are, starting season two after 52 episodes of year one. So, um, and, and we relocated once again. This time to the Florida Keys. Poor, poor, pitiful me. Oh, wait, that's another song. Uh, so, so the subject today is about all the hurricane history of Captain Rob. Yes, that's what Steve recommended. He said, he says, man, you have lived on uh, three different areas of Florida now, East Coast, West Coast, and now the Florida Keys. And each time you've been involved in one way or another in hurricane preparation. And and he said, I think in, in, listeners might be interested in that. And I thought, you know, that is a daggone good idea because I honestly didn't have anything in my head for this show and the hurricane startup is upon us again, um, and I wanted to get this done. Today is Sunday. Normally, I wait till like Monday to kind of get this Monday evening so that it's fresh on Tuesday, but I wanted to get it done a day early because the uh, predictions for the storm, rain, stuff like that is starting late tomorrow, hopefully later. Hopefully, it'll actually be Tuesday, Wednesday, but anyway, I thought it was a pretty good idea, so... Um, I think actually Steve said I've had the unfortunate luck of living on each coast with a threat. <laughs> I think that was in his text. Anyway, let me begin where all of this began because the history goes back a tiny bit further. Um, I was born in Williamsburg, Virginia. And before moving to Florida at the age of five, I actually experienced my very first hurricane in 1954. I'm dating myself. (laughs) Hurricane Hazel. That's right. To date, Hazel is the most powerful hurricane to move over Virginia. Produced wind gusts of 79 miles an hour in Richmond. The highest ever measured during a tropical event. 
wind damage to trees and buildings was fairly extensive. Um, but the fact that it was a fast moving storm prevented it from pr- doing more damage than uh, hurricanes typically do when they slow down. This thing was, I looked it up, I couldn't find forward speed, but someone said it was around 21 miles an hour, so it was really hauling. Um, no, I don't remember it. I wasn't quite a year old yet, but was, but it was technically my, my first, my very first hurricane. We moved to Clearwater, Florida in 1959, and soon after that, the first real hurricane I truly remember was Hurricane Donna, and that was in 1960. Uh, Cat 4, that's a big storm. We'll get to those in just a second, but a Cat 4. As a matter of fact, hold on just a second. Let's do category and wind speeds. Let, let's get that out there so everyone kind of understands. You hear this all the time on the news. I'm sure you folks hear it on Weather Channel. If you're up north, you probably have no clue what all that. You're like, okay, Cat 5 is worse than 1. You're right about that. Um, the Saffir-Simpson hurricane wind scale. Uh, in the early 1970s, a gentleman named Herbert Saffir, he was an engineer, and Robert Simpson, a meteorologist, they developed a scale to describe the likely effects that a hurricane would have on homes and trees and all that kind of fun stuff. So they developed the scale. Um, it has five categories, uh, increases from one to five. Any storm with sustained winds ranging from 39 to 73 miles an hour. Now, this is sustained. They have a timeline that they use. It's like it must, it must remain the same for over a minute, consistently over a period of like an hour, that kind of thing. If a storm is 39 to 73 miles an hour, it is considered a tropical storm. And that's a pretty wide range. I mean, I've been in tropical storms. And normally it's, I want to say this, most of that I have experienced are in the 40s, 44, 45 miles an hour. So that's your starting base. A Cat 1 hurricane is a 75 to 95 mile an hour storm. So one mile, you know, just a bump above the, the, um, the actual um, tropical storm. And then Cat 2 is 96 to 110. Actually, Cat 1, I think, is 74 to 95. I've got it in my notes here. I think I wrote that down. I think it's 74 to 95. Cat 2 is 96 to 110. This is in miles per hour, not in knots. Cat 3 is 111 to 129. Cat 4 is 130 to 156. Cat 5 is get the hell out of Dodge. Um, no, seriously, it's 157 miles per hour or higher, 157. It's, anyway, you don't want to be around for a Cat 5. Um, cat 4 is bad enough. Cat 3 will rock your socks. That's By the way, and when they talk about hurricanes, when they say it might be a major storm, when they use the word major, that is going to be a Cat 3 or above. The first two categories, they don't classify as major hurricanes. Although if you're in one, you're going to think it was. Um, So Donna was a Cat 4. And that's why I remember some of it at a young age. I remember my dad going down to the waterfront marina uh, near Clearwater Beach. And he filmed with an 8mm movie camera. He filmed the hurricane warning flags, which I thought was fascinating because I still have that video. Well, I I had to transfer the video. Let's put it that way. The warning flags are, the flags also have meaning, by the way. Um, If you've seen a hurricane flag, uh, they're large squares. They're bright red. Uh, They've got a smaller black square center. So you have a square flag that's red with a black square center. If one is flying, that's tropical storm. That's a tropical storm warning. If two are flying, so in other words, flag over flag, that's a hurricane warning. And that's what was going on down there in, uh, in Clearwater. 
uh, they actually had like a, <clears throat> I guess you call it a yard arm, you know, like, like your, your, your nautical arm with the cross arms, the yard arm, they had it flying from there. And like I said, I have the pictures. It's, it's in black and white. Unfortunately, I don't no, I don't think it is in color. I believe it was a black and white film. If I remember right, I could be wrong about that. But uh, anyway, that's the, I, I just, I vividly remember that as well as of course, now I've got a video of it. I don't remember my parents being overly concerned about Donna approaching. Um, that's probably because there were three little kids, well, two little kids and one baby in the house. But, um, And I don't really remember preps uh, other than the outside stuff. I remember lawn chairs being in the living room, and I remember um, a lot of other stuff being brought into the garage. Um, I have two takeaway moments from that storm that I can that I can vividly remember. Um, Back in the day, we didn't have plastic or Tupperware style garbage cans. Those of you that have been alive long enough, remember that our garbage cans set outside, they were metal, Um, a heavy duty aluminum or just good old fashioned, like a lightweight steel or something. They They were very, very durable with a lid on top. And I remember the sound of those rolling down the street. I remember the ones that people didn't anchor down or didn't know any better or whatever blew out of their yards and then were going end over end as missiles down the street. You could hear them. That I remember really well. I also uh, remember the sliding glass doors. Um, Almost every single Florida home back then in the 60s had sliding glass doors onto a patio porch or the pool. And these things are, if you've never seen them before, they're for the first time, I'm sure somebody, what in the world? Basically, it's a door that slides. Um, And it can be simply two panes of two large door panes of glass that one slides over the other. Or it can be as many as four or five. In other words, you just start sliding and they slide one on top of the other in tracks. I believe ours were at least three. They might have been four. I really can't remember. It was across the entire living room. And there was another set in the dining room uh, that looked out on the patio, this large patio. Um... In Florida, people called them the bird cage because it was a completely screened-in porch that keeps the bugs off of you. And anyway, the wind blew so hard against those doors, they slightly bowed in. That's frightening enough to think about. And when they did, the pressure of the wind was blowing the water underneath the track. In other words, that that rail system that the door sat on, it was blowing so hard, it was... It was literally spewing water underneath, and it went all the way up and was hitting the ceiling in in the room, in the living room. And I remember my mother and my dad running around with towels. Um, Now I look back and I think how dangerous it was if those doors had popped, if they'd come out of their out of their tracks. Um, Oh my lord! I don't, you know, that's just scary to even think about. But I remember the water. I remember the water coming up. You could see mist coming up underneath the door. And I remember them running around and putting towels down. That's my two big takeaways from Hurricane Donna. Oh, yeah. See? <laughs> I also remember at some point, I don't remember what year it was in Clearwater, where I missed both the first day of school and the last day of school. Uh, hurricane season, for those of you that don't know, starts on June 1st. And runs until November 30th. That's considered rainy season in Florida and is also considered a tropical season. It's very, very rare for us to go past to the end to past October into November with the storm, but the possibility is always there. And we also don't generally get storms in May. 
waters have to heat up. Things have to get right over in Africa before the storms start coming across the Atlantic. So we don't really start to see our our big time production until August and September. Uh, but that one year, I remember the first day of school would have been probably what Memorial Day. Yeah. Well, I remember we always went like the day after Memorial Day. You had the holiday. No, Labor Day. Labor Day. Wrong wrong holiday. Labor Day. Um, so at the when Labor Day was over with, you went back to school on that Tuesday. They don't do that much anymore. But that would have been day one. And then the last day of school was probably June. June 1, June 2, June 3, something like that. But I managed to miss both both days of school in one year. Um, family moved up to Kentucky in 1970. Uh, no hurricanes there. <laughs> At least you hope there aren't. And after a stint in the U.S. Coast Guard and an entrepreneurial career, I finally made it back to Florida in 1993, uh, back to Miami for a job. Just a little over a year after Hurricane Andrew had happened in 1992. And that was quite an eye-opener. Uh, for me personally, um, you, I heard about the hurricane. I knew it was bad. I knew it cut all the way across Florida and the people over in the Lee County, Collier County, you know, felt the effects of this thing. Uh, I guess the most, if you want to call it fortunate for a cat five storm, it was little, it was not very broad. It was a very tight storm. Uh, I guess you could say a, a giant oversized tornado. And that's pretty much what it blew like. It literally wiped out neighborhoods. Um, after I got down here, I drove down. My, my area was was Miami. I was a technical manager, and, and my area was a bank technical manager for Barnett Bank. My area was to go all the way down into Homestead, Cutler, uh, you know, down to the 18-mile stretch, which would be the bridge, I'm sorry, the road going out where I live now in Key Largo. So I covered all that technically. And I remember we went down because at the time, they were still putting stuff back together. It was a year later, and they're still putting stuff back together out there. Um, uh, money machines, all that kind of banks. I mean, it was, it was a mess. There were neighborhoods. You'd have to see this to believe it. Now, this is after cleanup, okay? So I didn't see the debris. But after cleanup, there was nothing there. There were slabs where the houses used to be hundreds of slabs, not one or two or three, all of them. It was unbelievable. The trees had no bark. It, it had blown the bark completely off the trees. Big pines uh, were dying because, I mean, the top of them had turned brown, but all of their bark was missing. Um, it, it was, I don't know. I, that's, I guess I got a clearer respect for it then. Later, when Janelle and I got a boat, we would do Biscayne Bay, and we would cruise out to the outer islands of Biscayne Bay. And, you know, mangrove is usually very, very thick, and you can't see through mangrove. It's, 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 it blocks the view. We could go into these channels and cutaways and things like that and see the ocean. You could see right straight through the mangrove out to the Atlantic Ocean, something that at first I wasn't even sure it was mangrove. And the mangrove was burned to a crisp. Um, the, and when I say burned, I mean saltwater burned. Uh, mangrove is very durable. It's saltwater tolerant, as they like to say. But the wind blew so hard and blew so much salt water on it that it literally killed the leaves. And uh, it was, I don't know, I, to this day, I can remember vividly. And that's 25, 20, that's 27, 28 years ago. I remember what it looked like. Um, so I don't know. Big storms are very, very scary. Um, and that was that was the that was my first experience with a, with a major without actually being you know, in the major hurricane itself. Still in Miami, 
Hurricane Bertha, 1996. I remember that one. That's the first one I remember that I'm having to watch out for. Uh, Bertha actually came at Florida and then decided it was going to parallel the coast and just whack the entire side of Florida with heavy winds. And it did, but it didn't hit. There was damage. There were there was storm surge. There was uh, lots of rain, that kind of thing. But, you know, it was one of those deals. When, of course, when you live on the East Coast and you had or, and I had seen Andrew, <laughs> I, was, I was like, whoa. Um, so it was nice to see that, that one. But by 1997, uh, that was Hurricane George. George uh, ran right over Key West and right, right over some of our friends down there. Uh, as a matter of fact, some friends we had living in Big Pine Key had a lot of damage. Uh, Janelle and I went uh, and got a generator because up where we were in the Fort Lauderdale area at that time, uh, we could actually go to, you know, like the Home Depot or something. And they weren't out of everything like they are when you're closer to the hurricane. And so we picked up a generator and drove it down to these folks so that they had a generator to get their refrigerator and their their fans back on. So, um, but that was in Big Pine. So from, from Isla Mirada out, Big Pine was really bad. Key West was really bad. And um, so that was that was that was the first one I was on that coast that I was kind of involved in, even though it really hit the Florida Keys and not the Miami area. And then in 1999, we had another close call from a storm called Dennis, and that also turned away at the last minute and decided to head up the coast. And then late in the season, Key West got hit again by Hurricane Irene. So that was that was quite quite the time. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, it's it's kind of weird. There was a, a little lull in storms, and uh, Janelle and I moved to the west coast of Florida. We moved over to Fort Myers. That would be in two thousand late two thousand one in two thousand one. Job again. She she found a great job, and in the meantime, the bank had moved me to part time to Fort Myers. And, uh, and then the bank let everybody go. If you're in the technology department, I don't know if you, if you remember, there were multiple mergers all over the banking system in the early, in the late 90, late nineties to early two thousands. I was a victim <laughs> as, as were many, many other technical people. Once they got all the banks grouped together and they had all the technical stuff that they needed done and finished, they let us all go. Um, I had gotten my captain's license and was already starting on that and was, as it turned out, I was pretty happy it happened. I was a little scary at first, you know, going, oh my gosh, we're going to eat peanut butter and jelly for the rest of my life. But it worked out pretty well in the long run. So anyway, we relocated to Fort Myers. Uh, and there hadn't been a major hurricane in that area for like 30 years. So you can... Pl- <laughs> Some people blamed it on me. But anyway, so here we are. And in you know 1994, here comes Hurricane Charlie. A big one. Um, Charlie was a Cat Four when it when it hit the Fort Myers area. Uh, actually, it hit just north of Fort Myers. It hit uh, it hit Captiva, Upper Captiva, technically Charlotte Harbor, went across into Punta Gorda, close enough to scare the bejeebers out of us, and and close enough for me to at that point to clearly respect storms and predictions. So I'll do the detail part here for you. The storm was was. Basically, it cruised across very similar to the storm that's coming now, uh, Ian. And I'll talk more about Ian here in a minute. But Charlie was very much like that. And it came up through the Gulf, uh, gained a ton of power, and had a track aimed right at Tampa. And all of us were like, eh, good, Tampa. All right, so we're going to get sideswiped. Now, here's the bad thing. When you're on the right side of a hurricane, 
In other words, the right-hand side of a hurricane, you get more wind than you do on the left-hand side. It's the more brutal side. It's the it's where the spin-up, the windmill comes from. Uh, is The strong side of the storm is the right-hand side of the storm. Um, it's where the feeder bands are. Feeder bands are what uh, draw the moisture and stuff into the storm to create the storm. And, and you're under those. You get them one after the other. You'll get a, a band and a break and a band and a break. It's really entertaining. Um this storm was winding up, and as it came up into the Gulf of Mexico, everything was hunky-dory. I had, I had Janelle, myself, my daughter, her husband, baby, uh, and a dog. And uh, they were all at our place because they lived closer to the river, so they came over with us. And that daggone storm went up, and at the last minute, everybody is standing around watching the TV set, and at the last minute, that thing did a little tiny rock to the, to the right to the east and it that's when we realized it was not going by fort myers it was coming right into fort myers and we all jumped in a hall closet with pillows and a mattress so everybody got into this was a a, a pantry closet everybody got in there you have to picture this (laughs) we did it by god because you're scared and we grabbed that mattress and we pulled that in after us for protection and we sat in there during the most vicious wind cycle i think well i know i have ever heard ever experienced the house creaked it cracked it made all kinds of noises like everything was going to pop you could hear stuff outside flying around you could hear the wind the wind, you know how people describe the freight train yep that's exactly what it sounds like like a freight train's going right through your house and i thought man if we survive this it will be a miracle well we had a miracle and the whole neighborhood really did quite well. There was tons of destruction, stuff everywhere, mostly from outer edges of houses, buildings. We lost a great chunk of our um, stuff off of our roof. Um, uh, it was it was it was a mess, it was an absolute mess. But we're still alive. I'm around to talk about it. Uh, I've learned I learned a valuable lesson that day, as I did in previous storms. Each time you have one, you go, man, you got to really watch these daggone things. So in that case, the prediction was doing exactly what it was supposed to do, and then it didn't, which is like, so I'm watching this storm today, and I'll talk more about it in a minute. Same prediction. They keep moving the line a little bit. First, it was coming in over Key West. Then it was coming in over the edge of Cuba and missing Key West. Then it was going to hit dead on Fort Myers, and now they've moved it all the way up to the crook in the panhandle up there. And and, and then this morning, I noticed it shifted back to the right a little bit. So that's the kind of thing that that I, um, I like to watch out for. I really do. So after Charlie, uh, I, I I was part of the help group. Um, the ramp was closed to public use. Uh, charters, of course, came to a roaring halt um, for probably a month, a month and a half. It was really hard to get business back down there because basically what happens in hurricanes is all the TV crews come in and tell you how bad it was and then they leave. They don't stick around and tell you how we fix things up. So people get the impression that the area is still absolutely destroyed. And our job basically as as business people living there, and in my case, a charter captain, was to get the word out that, hey, we fixed everything, it's good to go. But that can be really tough. I mean, people have an impression of a hurricane when it comes, it's over, and it's not. It's really not. We've rebuilt Florida many times. So I worked with a crew. Um, I had my boat down there, and the outer uh, outer upper islands are not connected by roads. So North Captiva, uh, Yusefa, Cabbage Key, those areas, uh, up to Kea Costa, up in those areas are not are not. So they were looking for people to run stuff up to them. I, I ran uh, generators. 
My boat would only hold a couple, but that was enough. Uh, ice, big bottles of water, things like that. Uh, fuel, we, we took great big um, things of gas up so that they could run um, uh, everything from, you know, chainsaws to whatever. We took equipment. We actually took, our, we, I did take chainsaws and tools sometimes. And we did that for almost a week. The trips up were unbelievable. You would have to have seen the debris in the water in Pine Island Sound to believe what it was like. And it wasn't exactly safe. We talked to each other on radios a lot. And we uh, we would report something like a giant door. <laughs> in one case, it was a floating, or not a floating, it was a partially submerged bathtub, um, which you obviously don't want to hit with a boat. So um, it was it was that was really something. But it felt good. I mean, I wasn't able to work. Uh, I wasn't getting paid in any way, shape, or form, but I felt like I was doing a public service for the area by running these things up to these people that were trying to put those upper islands back together again as quickly as possible. So that was that was good, very good. About a year later, after we were getting things put back together, we had this storm called Wilma, <laughs> another one. And please notice that we started with Charlie, and they do storms alphabetically just so you know. So the first storm is going to be named A on down the line. And they now alternate between male and female. So they'll do a male and a female uh, name as they go. So please note that Charlie was a sea storm. And we, that, the very next season, not, not the Charlie season, but the next season, we managed to have enough storms to get us all the way to W. And then some, they ran out of alphabet on one year. One year, I forget what they did. They had to do like a series of X numbers or something on there. But anyway... Wilma was a really, that was crazy. So Charlie did damage from the south. And it's hard to explain, but when you get those feeder bands, everything bends from south to north, typically, because that's where they come from. Wilma came across, uh, directly across Collier County, which caused the wind bands to be a little different. The wind was much, much stronger on the north side of this storm. So we had things blowing in the opposite direction. So guess what? Every tree and every branch and everything that had bent in one direction bent the other way and snapped off. So so we had quite a bit of damage from Wilma. Nowhere near like Charlie. Don't get me wrong. I have nothing like Charlie, but it was still a very severe storm. And Wilma actually cruised across the Everglades. Yeah, it picked up the water it needed in the glades and, and did quite a bit of damage over on the east coast of Florida, which it shouldn't have happened. I mean, I don't even, I, I would have to imagine they weren't even prepared for that little move. Um, anyway, very strange. And now I'm in the Florida Keys. Yep. And I'm sitting here waiting for another hurricane. Who knew? <laughs> I've been asked, why not move? And I say, Why? I mean, why? People are like, well, you've endured all these hurricanes all around Florida. It's because it's part of your life. Yes, it is for most Floridians. Why move into the face of another disaster? California, mudslides, fire, place, whole places on fire, right? Um, anywhere else you go, um, earthquakes. Um, I, I think tornadoes, when I was in Kentucky, man, tornadoes freaked me out. And there was a really big one in Louisville when I was in the Coast Guard. I wasn't there for it, but I had lots of reports from family and friends. But why, why move out of the way of a hurricane, even in its, in its flexible state where it's moving around or where the tracks are changing, you still have plenty of time to decide if you're going to get the hell out of Dodge. You have plenty of time to pack up. You have plenty of time to make plans. 
you do your you do your early hurricane planning where you have batteries, water, and your basic supplies back in June when they tell you to do that, when the news people start to get on and start saying hurricane season's coming, you you know, you don't wait till the last minute like uh, a few days ago when people are trying to go to Costco and there's no water. Publix has no water. <laughs> Things like that. You know, you get you get ready, you prepare for it. You can't prepare for a tornado. You can't prepare for earthquakes. You can't prepare for raging fires, mudslides. You can't do it. So, you know, in my mind, I think I'd rather deal with a hurricane than any other natural disaster, quite frankly. I certainly don't want to be in a giant snowstorm, which the Weather Service is now naming. That's how bad they can be. Uh, When the power goes out, I think I'd rather be hot than freezing my toes off. Um, there's just certain things in me that says Florida is just a whole lot better idea. And it gets back to being able to act early if you really want to. Now, that leads to some problems. There are a lot of people that just stay put. There are people that, you know, okay, it's time to evacuate. Oh, no, I'm going to hang out at the house. Everything's going to be fine. And then they die. And that happens in Florida, probably more than anywhere else. So you need to be aware of the fact that you do have choices. And sometimes you got to make a choice you don't want to make. But you can get out of the way. And that's why I stay. That's why I, why I stick with Florida. Right now, the hurricane, I'm sorry, Tropical Storm Ian. It's not a hurricane yet. Tropical Storm Ian is uh, south of Jamaica. It is getting better organized. Again, I said this is Sunday. This, I'm doing this on Sunday morning. Um, the organization is starting to show, whereas it was just kind of a blob of rain moving around, now it's starting to get those outer bands on the radar. You can see that it's tightening up. And eventually it'll start to move uh, and head up toward Jamaica, start to swing right, head up toward Jamaica. Eventually it's going to cross the tip of Cuba, so they say. When it gets to Cuba, it'll be a major hurricane. So it's going to turn into a hurricane in the next day. And then arrive in Cuba, I believe they said late Monday or early Tuesday. I'm not. The timeline's been changing quite a bit because the storm's forward speed changes off and on. But anyway, we've got this thing coming. Uh, It should be a major hurricane when it breaks out into the Gulf of Mexico. And if all goes according to plan, it will go by Key West, out west of Key West. However, this is a broad storm. As I mentioned earlier, Hurricane Andrew is a tiny little thing. It was a tight storm. It was very, very strong. It destroyed everything in its path. This is one of those broad storms like Irma, which we had a few years back. Irma rained and rained and blew and blew and just caused a horrible mess all across Florida, including down here in the Florida Keys. So this is the first big one we've had since that time. Um, I'm watching it closely. I've, I've got things in the yard I'm getting ready to put away. I've got a couple of kayaks sitting out in a parking area that I'm going to bring in and stick them in the garage. I'm going to do the pertinent things. We have plenty of water. We have batteries. We have flashlights and all of our stuff. I'm hoping I won't have to use any of that. The thing I miss the most... When the hurricanes go through or the storms go through is the power. <laughs> One thing about a hurricane that's just weird is it just has to happen on the hottest month of the year. And September is dreadful in Florida. It is just hot. There's no, Nights are hot. Days are hot. Everything's hot. Also, the humidity is crazy high. So what you have to picture is the hurricane goes through and then everything turns into a big, soggy, wet sauna with no air conditioning. Um, tons of, it doesn't matter where you are and you can't sleep outside. You could try that if you want to, but the mosquitoes will probably carry you away. So it brings things that I don't want to see. I would love for my power. Just if it goes by and my power goes out for a few hours, fine. But I, I just wanted to stay far enough away for that. So Key Largo's on high alert, as are all the Florida Keys. 
Um, it's really quiet here today. There, there's no weekend traffic. Uh, Janelle and I live close enough to US one where we can hear the cars, motorcycles, things, especially the big Harleys and things that go down to Key West for the for the weekend. Nope, that stopped. <laughs> it stopped yesterday. It actually looks like we pretty much have the Florida Keys to ourselves. The residents do at this point. It's supposed to be windy, a lot of rain. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday looks like the two worst days for us as far as that's concerned. Probably not going to see a lot of sun down here. But I'm just hoping that that's all we get is the edge of it. The commuter forecasts are much better than they used to be. Uh, the prediction of movement is much, much better than it used to be. So let's just hope we, you know, we have everything planned. As always, I'm ready. Janelle's ready. Uh, we have our great uh, get-out-of-the-way plan in place if we need to. Two cat carriers, throw the cats in it, and just get, go, leave. But I don't think it's going to come to that for this one. The one thing we're keenly aware of is there's only one road out of here, and everyone will be on it if all hell breaks loose. So that's the one thing that you learn. You know, Steve, when he mentioned this in his text to me, is like, like what, what's different? Well, East Coast, West Coast, you can. there's plenty of roads to leave on. That ain't true in the Keys. There is one road through the Florida Keys, US-1. And you get out of there on two bridges. You have a bridge where US-1 goes up, and then you have a back road called Card Sound Road, which can be used in emergencies. But technically speaking, you got only one road to get off this island. And uh, that's why you make plans. That's why you make plans way in advance. So, But the good news, like I said, it's off-season, and there aren't many tourists around right now. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend and leave a review. My podcast is scheduled for each and every Tuesday. Catch Outdoors is presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network and is available on Waypoint and by many of your favorite podcast providers. Facebook page is Catch Outdoors. Website is waypointtv.com and catchyoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy.